You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Woo-hoo! Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Meow, meow, meow. Meow. Meow, meow. Meow. And this is Earth Station One, folks. Welcome to the newest episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Earth Station One this week. That's right. We're going to the cats, and we are going to be talking all about cats and pop culture. Should be a ton of fun, and we have a couple strays around here, and it's going to be very, very interesting to talk. And the man who has a house filled to the brim with cats is my co-host, Mr. Mike Gordon. Literally, they come out of the walls of his house. Literally, coming out of the walls. Yes, exactly. Meowdy, meowdy, meowdy. How are you, my friend? (laughs) I am, uh, I am peachy keen, and uh, yes, uh, chock full of cats and ready to uh, have some fun. Uh, This is going to be a great show. Got uh, cats, which are I hear are popular on the internet, so we should we should get some pretty good numbers. Uh, yeah, at least from the old ladies all living alone with their cats. <laughs> so, so to all of you ladies listening uh, with your cats listening to our podcast, thank you. Welcome. We, we appreciate it. We love you guys. We really, really do. So it's awesome that we, you know, get to be able to wish, you know, our cat friends welcome to the show and you know there's cool things about it and there's so many cats in pop culture i think that we could do this as a multi-part story if we needed to oh yeah there could probably be pod there probably are podcasts devoted to this oh you think (laughs) (laughs) yes i i really think that we would have no problem talking about you know cats for pretty much the rest of the stuff so it should be very interesting to see, though, what happens, and, you know, it should be what we talk about. It should be very, very cool. But we also, you know, have other things to talk about. You know, we actually have a really big-name guest tonight. So one of the biggest, actually. And I'm not talking about, you know, you know, someone that you would not ever heard of. Everyone's heard of Bruce Valanche. He's going to be our victim in the geek seat tonight. It's pretty awesome. So it should be lots of fun. And, you know, of course, we'd love to hear from you guys. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Let us know what you guys think about cats. It's going to be very interesting to talk about tonight. And we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. And a big thank you, of course, to our patrons. Want to say thank you for everyone who has been supporting the Earth Station One podcast and the ESO network. And you too can do it for as little as a dollar a month. That's right. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. You know what, folks? We give you great stuff up there. Um, this last week we gave you the new episode of Rants and Raves, but we also have the return of ESO Board Silly. It'll be up live before the show goes up there. So you'll have us talking about New England being buried in snow and, you know, basically Kevin Eldridge trying to do chicken races on, you know, with sleds out in the snow. It should be kind of fun to talk about. So check it out. Patreon.com slash ESO Network. Also, before we get out of here, let's start and say hey to our friends over at 
Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical brings you sunglasses and gamer glasses and exercise glasses and goggles and all that kind of fun stuff. And you too can actually get a pair for as little as $25 a pair. It's not too shabby. And, you know, you could custom make them with custom colored lenses, custom frames. It's pretty cool. And you could pick it and everyone would be going, hey, that's a Tifosi Optical Sunglass. And you too can get it for $25. And you know what? The great thing about it is Earth Station One is up there and we're going to be there with you guys. And if you put in Earth Station One as a coupon code, you get 10% off your whole order. So check it out. Not just one pair of glasses, but your whole order. So buy a couple pairs. You know, spring is right around the corner for some of us. By the end of this week, George is going to be back in the 60s and almost 70. So, you know, it's going to be awesome to be out in our Tifosi sunglasses. Check it out, TifosiOptics.com. And now we're here with actor, writer, comedian, all-around legend. Let's welcome Bruce Falanch to the show. Hello, folks. Howdy. Welcome to the uh, station. Hello, America, and wherever else we are. <laughs> it is an honor to have you with us, sir. Thanks. Um, here. You know, usually we, we sort of do a short list of, uh, you know, have people introduce themselves, but I think, you know, so many people know you, and you've done so much. I mean, we would take, like, another, like, the whole episode run of the show like two hours to discover all of everything you've done. Yeah. I, had an agent, I had an agent who said you know you should really just like lose the last three pages of your resume because <laughs> it, it makes you seem so old i said well i am that old and i can't hide it plus there are works of rare genius down there you know that, that from the beginning from the early oh, absolutely the early volume one the early years i can't yeah. deny them I uh, well, I wanted to start sort of at the very beginning. Well, something that I saw that you said uh, about your youth is that you um, you were inspired by Neil Simon. You thought you was going to, yeah, gonna, I was. Right, uh, right. Uh, it's interesting. And I yeah, just sorry. sorry, I just read um, I just read Mel Brooks' autobiography. Uh, yeah, and he I just talked about his that. time on Show of Shows. And I would imagine that was right in your wheelhouse at that time, right? When you were a kid? I was I was very little. It was, uh, I, I do remember it. I mean, it was on Saturday nights and I watched it. Yeah, that was in the 50s. Uh, and and so I, it, it was an early influence. But, you know, but, but Neil broke out from that, I mean, to become, he and his brother were a team on that show. And he broke out and became his uh, playwright. And that was how he established himself. And at that point, I was... Uh, in college already, and I was, you know, write, considering writing as a career, mm-hmm. and he just kept knocking out one after another, and I loved his work and his sensibility. So, and I, you know, I was a, another Jew from New York, so I kind of <laughs> like Woody Allen and like Mel Brooks. Oh, Jews from New York! Yeah, and, well, I yeah. mean that whole that whole writing staff. When I look back on it, Carl Reiner, Mel Brooks, you know, Sid Caesar was at the helm, and and mm-hmm. you know Neil Simon was there, and I think Woody Allen was there a little bit later when they. Woody was there. Selma Diamond, who was very funny, was yeah. quite the guy. There's always like, there's always one woman, and, <laughs> right. and all the depictions of of the the show. There've been several. Neil wrote one, Laughter on the Twenty Third Floor, and My Favorite Year. That they were all about. Oh the right, yeah. Caesar show. And there's always one woman. Thing that was Selma Diamond. The, uh, it was hilarious. It's a funny act too. I, not a lot of it exists, I guess, um, because I looked around for some clips of it and everything, and there's it's hard to find, but I think it's out there. But it must have been. Yeah. I'm looking at this lineup, and I'm like, it must have been one of the funniest shows that's ever been made. It, it was. I mean, you know, it's, it was funny. I, 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 I halt because um, 
is you always have to put things in context. It was the 50s, and, and you look at it now and you go, oh, well, that sounds kind of tired. But then it was the first time it was done. You know, they did, they did uh, sketches about uh, making fun of foreign movies or French pictures. Uh, and, and, I mean, it was very relevant and, uh, at the time. And, and funny, and there was an excuse for that. Sometimes they just did, like, you know, regular sketch things, about, about, like SNL will do, just what-if kind of, of things. Oh, sure. But uh, So it's always, it's, you have to always give people a proviso when they tune in, saying, mm-hmm. remember what era this is from. Sure. Uh, but PBS uh, used to uh, run a clip, a clip show about all of it, about your show of shows, as a fundraiser. Uh, they hmm. may they may have abandoned that because they may have it may have occurred to them that that the people who what they want to give money to are were are looking, too young to really have enjoyed this as nostalgia. They're yeah. kind of looking at it and going, "What museum are we in?" So, uh, so to forward this to you because I, I was look, thinking about that, I was like, "Man, that must have been an incredible writers' room." And on your career, you've been in several incredible writers' rooms. And, and I'm wondering if you had any experiences that maybe could match like that lineup. Uh, well, no, because those people all got famous. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, uh, well, not all of them, but enough of them uh, got famous, uh, giving jobs to each other, by the way. Sure. But uh, I think anything that Steve Martin does, uh, we, we did an Oscar show one year that's, that Steve hosted, where we had um, Dave Barry and Rita Rudner uh, in in the writers' room with us, and um, uh, Andy Berg, Andy Bregman, who created Monk. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, and they were all they were all New Yorker writers, you know. They had all written for magazines and stuff, and so they, it was quite it was quite a lineup. Wow. Uh, but they were also, you know. Show business veterans like me and John Max and Dave Boone and you know names that you don't really know. I mean, you only know me because of Hollywood Squares and the fact that I stepped forward as a performer, and uh, and a lot of others who who you know remain always remain behind. Uh, we used to say behind the rings and with a very a very old reference. I'm terribly sorry. They don't. You don't remember quite. As well, and of course SNL. You know, uh, I would come in as a guest writer on SNL, okay. and there would be all kinds of people who went on to become very famous, mostly because they were performers, but um, they were writing for themselves. That's why I was brought in mm-hmm. because nobody wanted to write for the host. Uh, they all wanted to write for themselves and get rich creating characters that would become movies. Right. right. So, uh, so Lauren still casts his net. If you look at the. Uh, writing credits any week on SNL, there are like 30 people. There are staff people and people who get jobbed in and uh, people who just have just come in and write update. There was one guy who was the update writer. He was in charge of and of wrangling people to do update pieces. And update pieces were uh, in demand. Uh, the cast loved them because you, they were monologues, basically. Mm-hmm. You come on as a character, Roseanne, Rosanna, Dana, and you have a, you have a monologue piece that you could then do in your show, or, or if if you could turn it into a TV show or a movie, you were ahead of the game. So uh, there was a lot of that. I hadn't I hadn't actually thought about it, but I think that I noticed subtly that shift when because in the early days when it was the not so ready for primetime players, they that was not their goal, right? To, well, to create that, movie yeah, characters. He, he, uh, right. I mean, he cast at the beginning with people who 
basically were sketch players in groups. Right. They weren't stand-ups. They came from the Groundlings. They came from Second City. They came from uh, the committee. Uh, the, a, a lot of there were there was a lot of that in the air at the time, and so they were writer actors, mm-hmm. but they weren't necessarily stand-ups. And, and uh, as stand-up exploded in the eighties with Seinfeld and Roseanne and uh, and uh, Cosby and uh, Ray Romano and all these people getting huge, uh, becoming billionaires off their TV shows. Uh, a lot of people were attracted to stand up, and he would he started casting from that. Mm-hmm. And so those guys were writers from the beginning of their careers. They would come in, and they had, you know, even uh, they they had just characters that they would do as part of their act. And uh, so and so he would hire them as writers as well as performers. Now, is that is that a different approach than say what you've been doing? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I wrote for people. I wasn't writing for myself. I started, I started doing it late. I gave myself a night back to my fortieth and a birthday present. <laughs> wow! Because I had done. I to the truth of, of it is, AIDS kickstarted my career. I had so many friends who died, and when when. Uh, when gay people die, uh, a lot of times back then, their families withdraw. They collect the body and they go away. But they leave behind all of these extended families that they were a part of. So we would do a memorial. But, of course, because these were all these generally show business people and funny people, uh, we would do a celebration and I would MC it. And so I became all of a sudden I, w- I was I was a host. I was a master of ceremonies. And I began working up material from it. It just, it, it sort of happened naturally. And finally somebody said, you know, you should really just get up and do it. Just, I was never a club comic, you know, I didn't right. go to the improv. I didn't go to the yuck yucks and hoo ha's and, and, you know, all that. I, I, uh, I, I was never interested in that, but I had a skill for telling stories. So I started telling stories and, and it graduated to short stories about my career and, and things like that. Plus my career was working with a lot of people and a lot of us. And after 20 years, when I was on Hollywood Squares, suddenly I became a, a famous person. I think yeah. that's when I first became aware of you was Hollywood Squares. <laughs> most people, because you're on when you're on television every night, uh, they begin to notice who you are. You know, even you know, even if you're just somebody on the Daily Show. Well, true, <laughs> right? It's true. And and they wind up being billionaires themselves. So yeah. it's like all those people who are YouTube stars, right? Well, exactly. This was before YouTube. I mean, now you can create your own stuff. Leave Britney alone! <laughs> and then you can, oh, God. You can buy Bermuda after that. You know, yeah, so. five seconds and you can... Yeah, it's exactly right. Uh, hello, I'm on TikTok. Look at me. I'm playing <laughs> little naked in front of my mansion. It, it does look like throughout your career, you, you, you wrote mainly for people doing live performances, right? Yeah. And that's yeah. that's a much different mindset, of course, than writing for like stories or writing fiction. Right? Yes, uh, I had a skill for this. And so uh, uh, I wound up using it. And, and variety television, which I was writing for, went away uh, when I came out here in 1975. It, it kind of disappeared. SNL was the only uh, which helped kill it off was the only thing left standing. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and variety TV is back now, but it's all competition. That it's right. variety disguised as competition. That's what those, those shows are. 
And so they they satisfy the thirst for, for performance that people have. But at the same time, they be, it becomes a sport so they can have somebody to root for. It's mm-hmm. pretty, nobody realized that's what was happening, but it happened because it was cost effective. But uh, but that is what in essence happened. So I was uh, uh, before the competitions came in. Uh, I was writing award shows and pageants and tributes, which were all about people getting up and talking about other people. Well, our our friend Kevin would be remiss if we did not (laughs) ask you about your experience with the Brady Bunch. Well, that was the last gasp of variety. (laughs) (laughs) There was a guy named Fred Silverman who ran at one point all three networks, uh, one after the other. And Mm -hmm. his theory was uh, you can't, uh, Carol Burnett will not strike twice. That it's very difficult to find a person. In the old days, there was a Dean Martin, Carol Burnett, there were, right. there were Red Skelton. There were all these uh, vaudeville performers, essentially, or, or Broadway performers who became uh, stars of a television show. And you just, you couldn't find them. It, it was a dying breed. And, but he, he decided, you know, you could get, uh, Gimmicky host couples get get couples. So the Smothers Brothers were the first ones I think that gave him the idea, and from that it went to Sonny and Cher, and he kept coming up with Tony Orlando and Dawn and Donnie and Marie, and I mean there were just uh, Captain and Tennille, I think was in that. Captain right? Tennille was one of his. Oh, yeah. uh, there were dozens of them, and um, uh, after I, I was writing Donnie and Marie, the um, he thought the Partridge Family, which was a, a sitcom on his network, would be. Uh, Ideal for a variety show because that was their their show. In their show, they were touring in a bus, yep. uh, doing their act. And so let's just do let's just do a show every week that that is uh, about their that their show. They're off the road, and they didn't want to do it. So he he looked at the companion half hour, which was the Brady Bunch, and the Brady Kid, minus Florence and Bob, would go out in the summer and do state fairs and things as the Brady kids. And they had kind of an act. So he decided, okay, suppose the whole family has, has an act and they get a TV series and they move to LA. And this is about their life in LA doing their TV series. So everything was basically the Jack Benny show. (laughs) That was Jack, Jack Benny show was about Jack Benny doing a TV show every week. And he lived in Beverly Hills and he would see people on the street and all that. And all of the stars were his friends, you know, and it was like Marilyn Monroe would come over to the house to run lawns and that would be uh, an excuse to do a sketch, you know? So uh, that was what the Brady Bunch was supposed to be. And, uh, and so he, uh, we moved, he moved into a house in Malibu where they, for some reason had a, a gigantic Olympic swimming pool next to the beach, do? next to the Pacific ocean. They had a pool. <laughs> And um, which was not really done in those days. And uh, they did that because uh, Sid and Marty Croft, who produced Bonnie and Marie, uh, the template there, they opened with an ice number. They had the ice. They called them the ice angels, but the Mormons didn't like that. So they had to give them another name. But they had the the 12 girls on skates. And that was the opening number. And so we said, well, instead of that, this is not Fred. This was Sid Croft. said, let's have a water ballet and we'll have mermaids. And so, so the opening number was always they at alleged at their alleged pool. They had mermaids, and they would open the thing, and they would appear in the in the number with the mermaids. And it was that kind. Now I just it was not remember it was nineteen seventy seven. So we were all chemically altered. 
<laughs> and I say that, uh, I, you know, and I should stop saying it because I, I see, you know, I get I get blowback. I see people saying, Valance, who admits the copious drug abuse in the 70s. Not copious drug abuse. Everybody had a do, you know. I mean, if, if the, <laughs> the line is, if you remember the stories, weren't there. Because it, people were, but we came up with fun things like like the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, like like stuff that was that helped to be stoned if you were watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess on that note, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the Star Wars holiday special. Well, that was the one that I'm always defending myself. I'm always saying, yeah, Carrie, do you think we'll Carrie ever Fisher and I were snorting the sweet and low. Do you think we'll ever see that on Disney Plus? No, Disney Plus had their own Star Wars holiday special, the George Sanction that, that Lego did. Right, where they, the had, one, right. they had a Daisy Ridley Lego who looked like Rosie O'Donnell. How does that happen? <laughs> uh, but it was a, a key that George was finally kind of releasing his Vulcan death grip on the uh, the notion of the Star Wars holiday special is is she who can, we those of whom we ne- we do not speak you know, <laughs> right like, like the like the villagers in the Shamal in the M Night Shyamalan movie you know we mm-hmm. don't speak, we never speak to them um, so uh, I it. Uh, well, what do you want to know? I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you what always pisses people off uh, is when I tell them that uh, it was 1978 and a lot of uh, people, there had been one Star Wars movie mm-hmm. and he was about to start the Empire. And Star Wars was not the sort of Scientology of the nerds that it is now. It was not a legacy item. It was a big, it had been a big hit, big summer blockbuster the year before. But a lot of people thought it was just sort of okay. It, it aped Republic Studios serials, and, and the, you know they weren't thrilled about that. And uh, they got that it was um, a big entertainment. But other stuff had come along, uh, you know, Close Encounters and Superman, and there were other mega hits in its wake. And it hadn't become a religion yet. So fooling around with it was obviously not out of George's mind. I mean, because he sold them the idea, but uh, it was not like we were treading on sacred ground. That all happened later, right? Um, and uh, you know, this was one of the this was one of the ten stories George had to develop that he worked up, and I think he thought they would do an original musical. Uh, he wasn't. I don't think he thought it was going to be seeded uh, with uh, CBS television stars. <laughs> and all right. of that. I don't think that was, I, I don't think he watched any of that kind of stuff to tell you the truth to know what to know what that was. Um, and I also think that if he really uh, wanted a, an original musical, he probably wouldn't have told them a story where the lead characters speak no known language and are in gigantic uh, gorilla suits and can't move. Right. Yeah, I mean, all they could do is run. I say they make noises like fat people having orgasms. <laughs> Trust me, I know. <laughs> well, it did familiar you know, sound in my house. It did, it did feature the first appearance of Boba Fett, so it's that's what it's known for now. Right. Other than right. for being legendarily awful, it is known for introducing Boba Fett, <laughs> and and Boba Fett is has now become a big deal. Has oh yeah, own. he's got his own show. It took him a long time, but he finally broke out and got his own show. You know, and George, that was he. Uh, he was he wanted to do he wanted to do a. Um, a full-length animation, but he couldn't sell it back then. So right. he, he, this was kind of like a 10-minute audition piece that he 
he had some Canadian animation studio do, uh, and and we shoehorned it into the show like everything else. <laughs> right, right. Um, before we got the geek seat waiting for you, so we're going to ask you those questions. Before we do, though, what uh, you what's what's going on with you right now? Uh, right now, well, uh, I have a project involving Dolly Parton that I can't speak about, but we will make, be making an announcement very soon. You know, very nice. We're not curing cancer. She's also working on that, but, right. but she does everything. Uh, but uh, I'm involved with that, and a couple of us. I got nothing to plug right right this minute. Okay. I mean, I'm going to be in Fort Lauderdale March 12th, telling stories. If anybody listening here is going to be at the, I'll be at the Saver, which is a new theater, and the date keeps getting pushed back because of uh, of uh, COVID. And also, they ha- it's the new theater, and apparently passed its building inspection, which I thought in Florida was impossible. <laughs> and yet, it happened. So, wow. so that's all I really have to plug. Okay, well, that's fine. I wanted to make sure we didn't, you know, skip over that part of it. Sure. Um, Mike, I think I think he's ready for the, the DC questions. Oh, I'm hoping he okay. is because, you know, the, he has the ET all- questions or the geek seat questions. Oh, okay. Yeah. These are just questions designed to find out what you're passionate about. So. Oh, well. Well, like, that can get us into trouble there, Mike, you know. It's true. Awesome. It's true. It'll get you into 10 inches of trouble. Well, there you go. <laughs> Well, Bruce, let's start yeah. it with it. The easy ones first. Yeah. What geeks, what's your favorite geek out moment? My favorite my favorite geek out that I've had? Yes. You mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, this sounds so ridiculous, but I mean, I, I haven't thought about it, but uh, in 1973, I've been working with Bette Midler since the Jurassic period. I started with her 50 years, 50 years ago when we were tiny children on another planet. And uh, in 1973, she played the palace on Broadway and it was a sensation. She sold out three weeks and it was, she was the hottest thing in the world. And um, Paul McCartney, well, Greta Garbo came to the show and that was fairly geeky. And uh, and then Paul McCartney came to the show and uh, and asked her out to dinner. And I was there and asked me as well. <laughs> wow. And so we went to dinner and we were sitting in, uh, they were staying with Linda McCartney's uh, brother, Lee Eastman. Uh, and there we were. And, and at one point we were like, at, at a, there was a buffet that, that she, she'd worked up. And we were, the buffet, we're looking at each other over potato salad going, we're having dinner with Paul McCartney. <laughs> we're having, we're eating food with a beetle. And it was just like, and and it was it was just like, really, this is really happening. It, it was it was, a, it was a, an absolute geek out moment. It was, wow. uh, yeah. Oh, I could totally understand that. You know, being in the same room with a beetle, and the, let alone having dinner. You know. Well, years later, I was writing the Oscar show, and Paul was nominated for a song that he wrote, and he came to the song, and he came to the rehearsal, and he came over and. and Gave me this gigantic hug, and he says, "I," he says, "I remember you. I had dinner with you and Bevan Lee." Uh, wow, wow, that's you even know, more and impressive. I, and I, I haven't seen you since then, but you've gotten so famous. I keep telling people, I know that guy. I watch Hollywood Squares. I say, I know that guy. But I had that guy over for dinner. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I thought, okay, that's his geeky moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's hard to top that moment. <laughs> 
What was your most disappointing geek out moment, though? Oh, my God. Well, you know, it was kind of heartbreaking. Well, I don't know. But, um, you know, when you meet people and they're not who you who you think they're going to be, you know, you meet uh, uh, some of these legendary old Hollywood stars and you realize you want to meet them when they were the height or you want to meet a character they played. You know, I met Catherine Hepburn and, and she was unpleasant. And, uh, that, but that's, you know, that's all kind of minor. I mean, I've had terrible dark nights of the soul over the Ted Danson blackface thing that we did that when Whoopi and Ted were on, were breaking up and she got the, she was being roasted by the friars. And, uh, their idea was to have, um, him come out in blackface and do racial because they had gone through two years of every day getting hateful calls and letters and men and, you know, and people, uh, they were an interracial couple. And, uh, and friars club, uh, Unbeknownst to us, opened it opened it up to the public who mm. did not oh. get the the tradition of the roast, and so he got he got pillory for it. And I just you know it. and Whoopi said, "Don't get any on you. I'm taking full credit for it." <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay, awful. but you know, uh, but then I made a movie about me twenty years ago uh, called Get Bruce, kind of structure of all what everything I do. Produced by Harvey Weinstein, who never laid a hand on me. Really? Oh, I'm sorry. Hashtag, why not me? Exactly. <laughs> but so that was another disappointing geek out moment. Exactly. Uh, that really, <laughs> and, and geek of that, that's a chicken, you know, chicken neck geek moment. Oh, yeah. But so it's all in the movie. So I've, I've, I've since, uh, you know, owned up to being a part of all of it. So, uh, but yeah, I guess that, okay. I guess if that falls into some category. What geeks you out the most, though? What keeps me up? What geeks you out? <laughs> what geeks me out? Yeah. Like, what do you uh, go just, wow, what are you passionate about? You know, like, you know, what what makes you go, you know, the wheels spin and stuff? Oh, uh, uh, when things work, I guess. I mean, when you actually write something, you see it performed, and it gets the reaction that you were hoping for. Uh, that's fantastic. There's nothing nothing quite tops that. No, totally uh, I understand that. Yeah, it's uh, and it's it, and even it, it's not even my own work. It's when uh, when uh, when I see somebody else doing something which I know that it's waved over and it actually. It... No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. What turns your geek off, though? Like, what disappoints you about that type of stuff? <laughs> when it doesn't work, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 you know, it would be the the opposite. I don't know if I had to answer that one. <laughs> well, that's understandable. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Uh, God, I don't know. Auntie Mame would be fun. If she, uh, except <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling she's controlling. You think? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> just a, just a little just bit. A Dirk Diggler, bit. I think yeah. I, Dirk Diggler would have been a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in many ways. In <laughs> I mean, I suppose, well, you know, as an actor, I'm attracted to certain characters, but I don't think I'd like to meet them because I think they are like Falstaff. Uh, they are, they, they suck all the air out of the room. Mm. Uh, and that, that is the problem with fabulous characters who you meet in fiction entertain you. But part of the reason they entertain you is because they are so all encompassing. But when you meet people like that in real life, you just want to take a step back because they leave no room for anybody else. 
and you have to it's, you have to train yourself to realize this is what the game is, or or you just kind of avoid them. <laughs> oh, sure, <laughs> right. Is there any fictional characters that you would not like to meet? Uh, the real characters I would like not to meet. <laughs> <Some> I <I've> met. <laughs> Are there any fictional characters I would I would? Uh, oh, I guess Hannibal Lecter. I don't think I'd care to run into him. No. He would be you know, bad to me. I was carrying a bottle of Chianti. And, and exactly. You you would be his date for lunch, basically. <laughs> That's awesome. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote, or pose? Well, I don't know exactly what uh, what would qualify as a. Well, you could have a famous a quote, any quote from any work of fiction, or it could be. Something you've come up with that you use in every. I mean, this is not something geeky. This is just something that is a, is a, a favorite thing of mine. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Well, what, oh. and what we do on the show is like I mentioned in the email. We said on I our forgot, show. Sorry, that's okay. You've asked me. You got talking to read emails. I know. God, sorry. <laughs> you know, but basically, it's like geeky. I have people who don't do that. What we t- what we tell people <laughs> who you know come on the show is like geek equals passion. And it's what you're passionate ah. about, you know, because some people come on and say, oh, I don't follow Star Wars or Star Trek or anything. I ain't a geek. I'm going to go to the football game and dress up and paint my body. And it's like, OK, <laughs> you know, so that's what they're passionate about. And that's what uh-huh. they're yeah. about. I geek about about music or toys or artwork and stuff, you know. Ah, OK. Well, I get it. I wrote something like this for Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick on the Tonys when they came out and they said, we're musical comedy geeks. And they started, they started uh, uh, bringing up very arcane musicals. That's awesome though. It was, it was a funny bit. It was a very funny bit. Um, The, uh, uh, I don't know, I guess that my favorite geek phrase would be the one that Bet and I always use, uh, if they can't take a joke. Oh, I think that's perfect. <laughs> and, and and the follow up is choking if they can't take but that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> another I love story. it. That's but, awesome. um, that's you know, from all for all of you uh, uh oral assist uh, auto asphyxiation people out there. <laughs> and I can hear you breathing. I can hear you gasping for breath. Exactly. For the very first time. Again. Asphyxiation. <laughs> In, Someone dies of that in the John Waters movie. It's wonderful. Wrapping oh. at a payphone, making a dirty phone call, rap, and gets caught in the cord. That sounds <laughs> While right. While auto-expectating herself. Jackie Hoffman, brilliant actress, did it. I remember that one. <laughs> uh, it's in the last, actually, I think in the last one, uh, Dirty Shame, it's called. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. The yeah, last John Waters picture he made, which was uh, they were shooting when we were doing hairspray. When I was doing hairspray on, in Baltimore on the road when we opened, right? Uh, the touring company, and they were he was shooting the movie right then. Tracy Ullman and Johnny uh, Knoxville are the leads, but Jackie is uh, Jackie plays one of those John Waters characters, you know. And it's great how he has his crew and he uses them in all the different movies and everything. The funniest thing when they when we we got friendly when uh, over the two years I did the show. Uh, and he said when they did the movie, the musical with Travolta, they had they shot it in Toronto because Baltimore was too expensive. And he said, I made 34 pictures in Baltimore for $1.98. <laughs> and they had to go to Toronto to recreate Baltimore. 
which is just sitting there. <laughs> but you know, they get they the Canadians give the give them lots of tax breaks and yeah. etc. And that's why the film industry flourishes up there. Oh sure. That's why Toronto is cheaper than Baltimore. Gotcha. What is your ideal geek occupation? Oh, artificial inseminist. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a sperm donor. Just, you know, I'm happy to do that. Like a Vince Vaughn movie, Delivery Man. Oh, yeah. Where it turns out he has 99 children, you know. And he wants to be a father to each one of them. But he doesn't have enough time. Unfortunately, he has to get an Apple Watch to kind of coordinate when he when he hears when he FaceTimes all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a big Zoom call. Oh god, yes. What geek occupation would you not like to do? <laughs> what geek occupation? Uh, you know, it's uh, it's like the, there's a famous old uh, old joke about the guy uh, who sweeps up the 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 dung after the elephants. He's a worked for Ringling Brothers, and he sweeps up the dung, and they say, "This is the worst job in the world. Why don't you quit?" He says, "What? And quit show business?" <laughs> <laughs> There are some jobs in show business which are the the equivalent, and sometimes you feel like you're doing them. You're 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 you know after certain award shows I've done, I felt like I was sweeping up after the elephant. Oh, definitely. And, but but I was there. I cashed the check. That's the other. And of course, that's the phrase unspoken. Oh, by the way, they did pay me exactly. <laughs> but I got paid to do it right. exactly. Bring on the elephant. Send in the call. <laughs> All right, Bruce, are you ready for your final question in the geek seat? I'm I'm moist. Uh-oh. Here we go. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? My ultimate geek fantasy? Wow. Um, it could be your ultimate fantasy. It could be whatever you wish. This oh my, is well, you know, there are so many different ones. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, they're the ones that involves you know, Zac Efron and John Stamos and uh, oh, just a cast of swarthy people. But uh, uh, I couldn't reveal that here. I, um, I, yeah, it's such a good question. I don't know. I suppose uh, well, having written all these Oscar shows, I guess winning an Oscar would be like would be that. I won Emmys for writing the Oscar show, which is truly meta. I mean, <laughs> that, is, oh, yeah. that, is, that is like the definition of meta. Mm-hmm. Writing, winning an Oscar, winning an award for writing an award show—that's meta. But uh, I guess actually winning winning one would be <laughs> would be you know I would have it would probably be well it's either writing or acting I guess but so far nothing I've done has reached that level. <laughs> there's still time. There's still there's time. Still time. There, is. Uh, there is still time. That is yeah. true. Well, Bruce, I have some great news for you. You've made it through the geek seat. Congratulations! Oh my God. Thank you. Do I get one of those toys from your shelf? Oh yes, you do. <laughs> All look identical. Of course. Is that like, are those little transformer turds up there? No, they're called Funko Pops. And they're, yes, they're, they have like different celebrities and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. I'm surprised they don't have a Bruce one yet. Yeah, I'm actually shocked they don't. I've never heard of them. Maybe that's why. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know, if they get in touch, it's not hard. (laughs) I'm sure now they will be doing it. You found me, they can find me. Exactly. Well, Bruce, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a blast. Where can people go online to find out what you're up to? I'll tell you, there's a site called wegotbruce.com. Okay. uh, Which is, of course, from the, from the movie, get Bruce. uh, Mm -hmm. And we're doing the sequel had Bruce with a much larger cast. 
<laughs> we got Bruce.com. It, it's a fan site run by a guy who loves me and who I, I go check in every day to see what I'm up to. He knows what I'm doing before I'm doing it. <laughs> so he will undoubtedly be plugging this. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm, we got, or I, drop him a note. We got Bruce.com. Awesome. Well, we will have a link to that in our show notes. And man, uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a blast. It was a pleasure. It was so fun. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Tell and, Stacey Abrams I said hi, and I'm available. Of course. <laughs> or whatever she needs. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment, and we're going to be talking all about cats. Think I'll go for a walk outside now. The summer sun's calling my name. I hear you now. I just can't stay inside all day. I gotta get out. Give me some of this is Ashley Pauls with this week's box office buzz. We are finally into the month of February, which means that we actually have some new movies that are worth talking about that are coming to the theater. Yay! First up this weekend is the sci-fi disaster movie Moonfall. And you know what? Do I think this movie is going to be rated highly on Rotten Tomatoes? Absolutely not. Am I also really looking forward to it? Yes. I love a good old-fashioned disaster flick, and something about the trailers just really excited me for this one. So again, I don't think it's going to be great in terms of acting, dialogue. It's going to be a plot that's over the top. I mean, it's about the moon being knocked out of orbit by some mysterious force, and it's coming crashing towards the Earth. But it looks like a good time to have at the theater with a bucket of popcorn, so I'm planning to see it this weekend. Coming up the week after that is the Agatha Christie murder mystery adaptation, Death on, a Ni- Death on the Nile, starring famous detective Hercule Perrault, which I think that might actually be the first time in my life where I pronounced that name correctly, or maybe I still got it wrong. You'll have to let me know. But I've been getting more into these classic mysteries the past several years. I don't really like modern crime dramas or mysteries because I feel like they can get a little bit gory and gritty and just a little too serious and close to the real world sometimes and things that happen. But I like the period setting of Agatha Christie mysteries, so I'm really excited to see Death on the Nile. I have not read the original book. I have no idea how it ends, so I'm going to spend the next couple weeks trying to avoid spoilers because I did not have the story of Murder on the Orient Express spoiled for me, and so it was really interesting to see how that film ended. That's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog over on the ESO Podcast website. Winter is coming. Prepare with a fine cigar and listen to... The Cigar Nerds Podcast. We smoke cigars and talk about movies and all kind of nerdy things. Available at CigarNerdPodcast.com. Also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. Hey there, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time to get a saucer of milk and let's pearl up and let's talk about 
our favorite cats in pop culture. Take it away, Mr. Mike. This is, uh, you know, when we thought about this, this is such a uh, kind of a funny topic because we were just like, is that really something? But then the more I got into it, I was like, man, there are a lot of cats in pop culture. I mean, I don't this could be a whole series, but uh, we'll see what we can do um, in the limited time that we have here. Uh, But we've got some great cat people uh, to join us, not to be confused with the the movie, because those would be scary. Um, Either one of those (laughs) movies. But uh, Bambi is back with us. Yum yum! Welcome back to the station. <laughs> and I love it. and 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 yes, uh, you know Bambi mainly from the music episodes, and also from the music episodes, and from her uh, weekly uh, segment. Uh, Michelle is here too. Meow. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, Michelle. Michelle knows a little something about cats uh, coming out of the woodwork. Um, so uh, yeah, so we'll try really hard not to like you know talk about our own our own cats uh, during so this. Hard. But, but uh, I, it did occur to me. So I thought, okay, cats and pop culture, how far back does this go? I don't know where the term pop culture really starts, but I, I can't find an earlier example of cats and pop culture than Felix the cat. Um, and uh, he was created in 1919. Mm-hmm. He's uh, one of the earliest. One, yeah. One of the earliest animations, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this exactly. predates uh, Steamboat Willie with Mickey Mouse. Uh, this predates um, what was the Walt Disney character before that? Uh, oh, Oswald, Oswald, the Lucky yeah. Rabbit. Yeah, um, and I think those those two came out because Felix was such a big hit, right? Like Felix inspired those animations. Is that is that fair, yeah. Mike? Oh, very much so. Uh, Felix, for many many years, was one of the biggest draws into the theater. And not just that, but he was popping up and he had a comic strip in the newspaper and he was known around the world. And damn it, that damn mouse had to pop up. (laughs) (laughs) I always wanted one of the clocks. The clocks based on him with the little tail that swings. Oh, right. (laughs) Now we know what to get you for Christmas this year. (laughs) (laughs) I have always wanted one of those and I can never find them. Well, um, just so folks know, uh, Felix was created by Pat Sullivan and Otto Messmer uh, during the silent film era. Um, he's been voiced by several many people. I mean, Felix went on and on and on. I do remember watching. Now, these weren't the black and whites, but he had gotten to color um, doing color cartoons. And I had watched color uh, Felix the Cat in syndication when I was growing up. Um, did you guys watch Felix? Would just Felix somebody uh, was the character that was, that it, you guys were aware of? I knew of him. I had seen a couple comic books, and I had seen, you know, of course, the my grandmother had one of those Felix clocks that Ricky, that sorry, that Bambi was talking about, and I always was fascinated by it. But I never really saw one of his true cartoons until I was studying animation in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it, I only ever saw silent clips of Felix, and I don't know why, but that's all I can remember from when I was a kid. I mean, I know the the image and and things like that, like the clock, and aware of of Felix, but I don't think I've ever actually seen anything with audio. Yeah, I'm. You know, it's kind of one of those characters that he was there in the beginning, and he was so popular, hugely popular for decades, 
And then he just kind of disappeared. I mean, he's still around in some mm-hmm. forms and some merchandise, like you mentioned, Bammy. Um, I don't know if he's public domain now, so I don't know if anybody can just use him, but um, he, uh, both in, in cartoon form and in, in comic strips, uh, as well as comic books. I mean, he was, he was always around. He was the first cat figure that I can, the way I would consider what we consider, well, that I would think what we consider pop culture, which is probably within the last, 200 years, right? Or 100 years, maybe 150, whatever it is now. Because uh, I don't even know if you can, like, I, did they have pop culture, like, in the 1800s? <laughs> like, <laughs> I think you could probably call it pop culture. There were there were cartoons. There were political cartoons. I think you could call that pop culture. But right, for our purposes, we could say 100 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if anybody's got an idea of a, our character cat that uh, predates that, you know, that would be uh, something. Uh, I know the Victorians, when photography was still f- a fairly new discipline, it was all the rage to have these, um, like, kittens and puppies dressed in little costumes and and acting out little scenes like hmm. pushing each other in wagons and stuff. And the really horrible thing about that is I think they used animals that were no longer living. And posed them. Uh. But, How about Bastet? But yeah, it was really macabre, but it was like all the rage to get these photos of little dressed up puppies and kittens. Okay. I actually remember that. Yeah. That's creepy. How about Bastet? That's Egyptian times. The God. Yeah. <laughs> Does that count? That's, hey, that's a character. I, I, I suppose. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. Um, and that's a character that, I mean, as a character in fiction, uh, he comes up a lot too. So, um, but of course, like I said, I think cartoons is where I first were aware of cats as characters, because if it wasn't Felix, it was, Sylvester, it was Tom, it was Garfield. Garfield, <laughs> right, right. Do you remember can you like what's the earliest cat character that you you were attached to or liked or that you can remember, Michelle? Mm. If not Felix. It wasn't Felix. Um I don't know. I guess after school cartoons we had we had Tom and Jerry's, so mm-hmm. But in these, like, in Sylvester and Tweety and, and Tom and Jerry, the cat is, like, the bad guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. They're the villains, right? A, Mis- a misunderstood villain, yes. <laughs> but, uh, Bambi, what about you? What's uh, one of the earliest memories you have of a cat character? Um, Either the Pink Panther or... Oh, right. Maybe, mm. Garf- maybe Garfield or, the, like, Heathcliff and Friends. What was it the Cadillac Cats? Okay. That cartoon it was on with Garfield, which I remember like the Garfield cartoon. Garfield was kind of eh, but when it got to the Heathcliff and Friends portion of it, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I just remembered. And I think I hadn't, I think we hadn't thought of him because he is so anthropomorphized, but the cat in the hat. Oh, oh right. Yeah. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah. Good call. Mm-hmm. Very much yeah, so. Doc, Dr. Seuss's cat in the hat. That was, yeah, that's that's probably my earliest introduction to a cat character. Yeah. Um, because that's right when you're, you know, mm-hmm. right when you're wee. Um, 
uh, Mike, any any cats that you can think of uh, growing up that uh, you were introduced to? Oh, well, you said Cat in the Hat, of course, Pink Panther, but there was also Top Cat. Top Cat. Oh, yeah. yeah. Top Cat was a show I loved. TC. Yep. TC. It was very, very cool. And it almost seemed like it was their take on Sinatra and, you know... <laughs> And his gang of misfits and such. The, the Rat Pack. The Rat Pack. And it was kind this of was funny. the Cat Pack. The Cat Pack, which was pretty funny. And so, yeah, we had that. And it was always, you know, cats were always in, you know, pop culture. But also the cat from Sabrina. Uh, not Sabrina. Oh, yeah. Sabrina, but also the cat from the cartoon Josie and the Pussycats. Oh, yeah. I think it's Salem from Sa- Sabrina. Yep. Yeah. Salem was, uh, was from Sabrina. Oh. Yeah, he was awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I had thought about Sabrina as well come from the comics because uh, that's how I was first introduced to her. Um, but then, of course, you know they they made that show. Well, she was in the cartoon back in the day, but then uh, Melissa Joan Hart right played her, um, and uh, that's when I th- I think that is I don't know if that's the first time Salem spoke. Yes, is so, that the one on Nickelodeon where he's an animatronic cat? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was a puppet, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. um, it wasn't like, it wasn't quite as detailed or as intricate as Alf, right. but it was, <laughs> but who was, but and, Hey, and Alf liked eating cats. So it ties oh, right yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. They wouldn't have gotten along, No. no. <laughs> but I, I do find it interesting that, okay. When I opened, when I thought about Sabrina, there was a, like that opened another door because the one thing about cats is oftentimes they're, they're like labeled with like witchcraft characters because they're usually there, the characters familiar mm-hmm. like with Sabrina, her familiar was uh, Salem, uh, Salem, Salem Saberhagen is his full name, by the way. Oh, um, and uh, from the movie bell book and candle and uh, the book, actually Jillian has a cat named pie um, which in the movie, she comes out with a broomstick. That's really hard. And I'm like, wow, how did they film that without that cat getting, <laughs> uh, crushed, um, and of course in DC Comics they have Clarion the Witch Boy. Um, Tiki T E E K I is his uh, is his familiar, um, and uh, I was trying to think of other, um, but of course cats like have that that supernatural quality to them. There's quite a lot of like there's Cat's Eye. There's a lot of other like Stephen King. Has works with cats a lot. I think Stephen King like finds them really devilish. So um, there's the a whole mysticism cemetery? behind cats. Yeah, Pet Cemetery was a big one. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Scared gotcha. the hell out of me. <laughs> and Sleepwalker. Sleepwalkers is uh, yeah uh, a bunch of vampires that they their weakness is cats. I think right. Mine are too. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But also also growing up, I also remember there was a Disney movie called The Cat from Outer Space. Oh, I was going to mention it. That's like one of my favorite. That, that is my favorite cat movie. I love that movie. <laughs> Not only is it, is it a movie about a space cat, but the cat has a collar that lights up. I mean, man, it's just taking all kinds of boxes. <laughs> uh, the cat's name in that movie is Jake. Jake. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that's his human name. I don't know oh. if we ever learn what his cat name is but yeah uh and you're talking about familiars too i think actually the first cat now that i think about it for me actually may have been a familiar to a witch on a cartoon called 
the fantastic adventures of Unico. And there was a girl that gets turned into a cat when she's trying to be a witch or something. I I was really little when I saw it. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's big for people that are into, I guess, anime. (laughs) This was anime. Wow. I, yeah, I did not, I was not, when I looked up familiars and other witch characters, that one did not, uh, I did not come across that one. Of course, I'm not as uh, into anime and all that. So, right. Well, then there also in animation, there was in lady and the tramp, the two Siamese cats. Oh yeah. 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 Were those, was that, was that politically correct? No, no. (laughs) (laughs) I I think from Disney, I think, I think Mm. they pulled that scene. Yeah, we are Siamese, if you please. Yep, uh-huh. we are Siamese, if you don't please. <laughs> that's um, a cat thing to say. We don't yes, really care what you think. We don't care what you think. Yeah, well, and that's that's the other thing. I think with all these characters, you know, I think um, not not many of them are are dumb. Like, they're not portrayed as stupid. Mostly cats, whether they're good or bad, are usually portrayed as, as smart beings, standoffish clever maybe too clever for their own good mm-hmm. um then there's some sort of you know, mysticalness supernatural quality about many of them um but i i found that interesting that you know you can i mean certainly even on like top cat they had a range of cat characters and one was kind of uh not very bright we'll say oh, yeah. um but uh you know as, as a general rule I mean, most of the cats that we've talked about so far are not are not stupid animals. Um, you know, usually like I hate to say it, but usually dogs are kind of portrayed that way, right? <laughs> Which way did he go? Which way did he go? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cinderella had Lucifer. Lucifer was kind of depicted was a jerk, but also kind of dopey. Mm-hmm. And that was from what mice are running around. I don't know. Kind of do- like I guess they were the cat was easily tricked. By the mice in the cartoon gotcha. Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, that's true. Because there was also, you know, and Disney used a lot of cats in their movies. Yeah. And, you know, Cinderella's one of the most, you know, iconic. Aristocats. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's very the true. Whole movie. Yeah. Which was yeah, amazing. Avengers? Was it the Avengers that there were cats? I'm trying to remember. Maybe they were mice. I'm trying to remember. I was really little when I saw that. No, the Avengers. Um, the Avengers. The Rescuers. The Rescuers. That's right. Rescuers. That's what yeah. it was. I was going to say the Avengers. I'm like, uh, <laughs> there's not a cat in there. I'm like, yeah. I, I was going to say, which one? Steed or Mrs. Peel? You know. <laughs> but then uh, the villain in James Bond, Blofeld, had a cat. Oh, yeah. Time, you know. uh, the white cat. Austin the Powers. Cat. Austin Powers had Mr. Bigglesworth. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, Blofeld's cat ever had a name. Yes. Uh, but it was evil. Whatever evil. it was. <laughs> and it usually knew how to get out. Like, you never saw the cat, anything happen to the cat. Usually the cat got out of Dodge and left Blofeld to get whatever. To come whatever up happened to Well, I'll tell you, I am very glad that one cat that got out of Dodge was Jonesy in the second Alien movie. I saw the first one on TV, and then the second one I saw in the theater, and in the first scenes, she's got Jonesy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if she takes that cat into space again, I am walking out of here. I cannot keep track of that cat for this whole movie. I can't deal with that. So thank goodness she left him behind for the second one. Mm -hmm. It's it's another occasion where the cat... Um, 
the cat is smart. The cat like outlives all the other, like most of the other people on board. (laughs) The cat knows right away that there's bad news with that thing. Oh God. Yeah. As soon as it pops out of its chest. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The cat sees it before we do. Like, Hey, um, well that, that kind of lends us into away from cartoon cats and into live action cats. Um, which there have been a few of those, um, the one that immediately, well, almost immediately came to mind for me was a series that I, uh, it was only lasted one season, but it's, uh, it was a uh, remarkable in the fact that it was the first time a woman had ever played a lead character, like private eye on a show and had a show named after her character. And that was honey West and honey West had, uh, played by Anne Francis. Honey West had an ocelot. I didn't know what an ocelot was. <laughs> I, I still am kind of, you know, I know, I know when, when I, I know hers, when I see it mm-hmm. but, uh, and her cat was named Bruce, Bruce, the ocelot. And, uh, uh, you know, you kind of, it's, it's a huge cat. It's not just a domestic, like short hair or anything right. like that. It's, it's, right. it's smaller than a tiger, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not much smaller. I mean, it's, it's pretty sizable, more like a bobcat or something. Yeah. Are are ocelots like a thing that people have? Like, and what's weird to me is that it's not like I've read a lot of the Honey West books, and she doesn't own a cat or an ocelot in the books. This was something that was done for the show, but I have no idea why. Someone there must have just been a spare ocelot around the stage, and they were like, "Let's just use it on our show." Um, but uh, any other live action cats? Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's the movie that made me so angry because of the cat scene. I, I don't, I haven't seen that. I don't know. What's, what's, what goes on there? Spoilers, I guess. Yes. Yeah, well, there's a cat, like, you know, I don't, the Audrey Hepburn's character. I, I, the first time I saw it, I was like, iconic movie. Okay. I'll watch it. She's horrible. She's such a horrible person, <laughs> but she gets mad and throw She's in a car and tosses a cat out in the rain and leaves it in the rain and drives off this cat. That's loves her. And it's around her all the time. And, well, that's awful. Uh, exactly. And she's supposed ah. to be themed because she feels bad and turns around and goes back for the cat. I'm like, Oh, you're a horrible woman anyway. <laughs> <laughs> wow. How dare you? Really? I was like, I'm so angry right now. I was screaming at my phone where I was watching it. (laughs) That is kind of rare. I can't think of too many movies. I can think of like a number of movies where the dog gets it. Oh, Uh, But I can't think of too many movies where the cat like gets it Hmm. or gets mistreated. Well, I mean, yeah, some of them are like in Bell Book and Candle. Like I said, she comes at it with a broom and it's live action and they didn't have like a stunt cat. So I don't. I was kind of worried about that cat um, and how they did it in one take. But uh, say, but my favorite cat in live action, in all truth, Mm -hmm. is Cat from Red Dwarf. Oh yeah, that cat is awesome. You're right. That's an awesome cat. (laughs) Yes, he is the coolest cat out there. And you know, it's like, and you know, it's pretty darn awesome when you want to see a cat in human form. (laughs) You, you know. It is it is just awesome and yeah, you know satisfying. It it is satisfying. Even the last season that they did when they you know, they said one of the members of our cast is a sociopath. Which one was it? 
It was Cat. <laughs> uh, is it the last season where they where he meets others of his species as well? Yes. And and they're I mean they're typical. It's like a society cat. It's like a society of buttholes. I mean, like it's just like mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's like what you would think a society of cats would be. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, it's well written. And uh, I can't remember the name of the guy who plays Cat on on Red. Danny Red. Jules. Yeah, I can tell you real quick. If we only had the internet, but oh, keep on going. I'll tell you in a sec. But. Uh, and then, of course, we have, I mean, it's sort of loosely uh, associated with cats, but, uh, you know, Catwoman, um, yeah. that uh, there's been various actresses that have played Catwoman over the years. Danny uh, heck, Do- there, were th- there were just three on, on one show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Eartha Kitt was one. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, Lee Mary Mather was the other, and Julie Newmar was one. Well, Lee oh, Mary yeah. Mather was in the movie. She wasn't actually yeah. Catwoman on the show, but she was Catwoman in the movie. And uh, and uh, Julie Newmar. Now, I think they all were pretty good for what Michelle they did. Hart. I can't, I you know, I'm not one of those ones who was like, which one was better? Because they all added something to it. But I, I know for Eartha Kitt, that was a huge landmark role for her. Um, because you didn't usually see that um, type of casting back then. Yes. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer is an excellent Catwoman, I believe. If, yeah. if you want to be impressed. Barry. Don't go there. I don't know what you're talking about, Bambi. I don't, that doesn't <laughs> ring any bells with me whatsoever. There's a clip on YouTube of Michelle Pfeiffer doing the whip and the mannequin scene. Mm-hmm. And she nails it in one take, hitting each mannequin. It's really something. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, she knows how to use whip. Somebody, somebody shot it from you know behind the actual movie camera, and it's it's pretty amazing. The uh, and she's got a different origin in in a lot of these movies, but um, and then of course, uh, well, um, I can't remember the actress that plays Catwoman or Selena in the uh, Dark Knight movies. Um, oh yeah. I just I'm, I can see her face, but I can't picture it. But I she didn't strike me as very cat like. Yeah, probably why I, um, I don't remember. But this new version of the Batman that we're getting um, in a couple months that oh. has a new Catwoman in Zoe Kravitz. Yep. Yep. So that should be interesting to see. Uh, so Catwoman lives. She's probably the uh, biggest, you know, comic superhero character uh, that come out uh, that's associated with cats. Mm-hmm. The black cat too. Yes, well, the black cat for the. But she, yeah, I don't think she's ever been portrayed. Yeah. In live action, maybe in the cartoon form. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Hardy, I believe, is her name, right? In the character name, right. Spider Man. Yeah. I actually have a one of my comics, my Spider Man comics. I actually have her first appearance. <laughs> yes. About Black Panther. Well, yeah, Black Panther is a yeah, a panther. You you've mentioned two panthers that I have uh that that uh, I for some reason I don't think of panther when I think of cats, but you're absolutely right. Both the Pink yeah. Panther and Black Panther, who are so similar really. Um <laughs> uh you know, are are huge as far as yeah, Black Panther I think was was a huge hit for Marvel. Yeah, what 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 was his the movie before his solo movie? What was it he was in? He was something. in Civil War. He was yeah, in Civil War. I, 
So I remember when I watched it, I had no idea who he was. I'd never heard of Black Panther, but I remember coming out of that movie. I was like, why did nobody tell me there was going to be a ninja cat in this? That was so <laughs> awesome to me. Oh, I oh. loved it. Well, Black Panther is a character that goes all the way back into the early 60s because he originally appeared in Fantastic Four. Yep. And then he was Aven- became an Avenger for quite a long time. So it was pretty yeah. awesome. And that was a big deal, too, because he was one of – he was a, a villain that wasn't really a villain. He wasn't like a bad guy. He was a, he was a ruler of a whole country. And, small, uh, a small and, country called Wakanda. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Wakanda forever. So it should be really interesting to see. I know that they're making Black Panther 2. I think they just resumed uh, filming that. Uh, and uh, it should be really interesting to see what happens with that character. Because um, mm-hmm. unfortunately, Bozeman is no longer with us. Um, a cat on Captain Marvel. There was. Yes, right. That's how, that's how Coulson got his, uh, not Coulson. That's how, uh, Nick Fury, uh, Nick Fury yeah, lost his Fury, eye. Fury, yes. yeah. Jonesy. They're just jerks, aren't they? <laughs> uh, but there are cats also that appear at, not just in the movies or on television, but at, in the credits too. Yes. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. like because MGM has their logo that oh, has been yeah. a big giant lion for hundred years, I almost <laughs> think. Right, close. Um, yeah. And MGM still kind of around. Um, I think their library. I don't know if they actually make movies anymore. I think they might just have a library that gets keeps being passed on from studio to studio. But uh, yeah, I quite see the uh, Leo the lion. Right, Leo the lion. That uh, barks every time a movie, an MGM movie starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, too, because you know the story behind the casino in Las Vegas, actually, that um, MGM spent all this money to remodel MGM casinos right on the strip in in Las Vegas. And they had it designed that people would go in through the lion's mouth. That was the entrance to the casino. Oh. They started losing money. And pe- they stopped, stopped getting people to come coming, and they had they had, didn't do research on it. It is a sign of dishonor to in Asia, to in most Asian cultures, to walk through a cat's or lion's mouth. Wow! Hmm. And so they so all the tourists who, from Asia were going to the other casinos because they wouldn't go through that. And that's why you'll see now you'll see statues of the lions on either side of the doors, but they had, they had to change the whole front. They spent millions of dollars on it. It (laughs) Somebody lost their job. You think? (laughs) (laughs) Oops. See, for me, you know, growing up though, it was, you know, Garfield in the comic strips and everything. Mm. And, you know, Garfield was always so popular and mm-hmm. it was like started, you know, in reading in the comic strip, but then they had the treasuries and, you know, at the book from the books and everything. And this mm-hmm. is pr- way pre before the cartoons and the oh, movies yeah. and everything. I remember my sister getting that first book, the, like, cause they were different colors. And the first one was bright red, um, which had collected like the first year or so of the strips uh, by Jim Davis. And, uh, yeah, Garfield was much different then. Oh, um, yes. Still pretty crabby. Uh, still like lasagna, but 
I mean, so, still hated Monday. So, you know, it's okay. Looked like, uh, what are those design skulls? The climbing cat? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and is that, now is that an artist, Clyburn? Yeah, Bernard Clyburn. I'm, I'm not sure if we're pronouncing his name right. I'm not sure if it's Clyburn or Clabon, but he, um, he drew a lot of, uh, one panel comics, a lot of which were really risque, but he became famous for drawing these enormous fat, orange and black tabby cats that did all kinds of strange things like surfed and boxed and all kinds of things. Um, he had one famous panel that was two cats sitting on a fence. It's, if I had two dead rats, I'd give you one. Um, <laughs> wow. And, uh, another one was cat, one hell of a fine animal frequently mistaken for a meatloaf. <laughs> And uh, you can still get uh, uh, Clyburn merchandise, and the uh, panels still run on Go Comics. But it's interesting, too, because Garfield, when he first appeared, though, like you said, didn't look at all what he looks like now. No, he He, looked like a Clyburn cat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That must have been an inspiration. Yeah. Oh, I'd be sure of it. And that's when Jim Davis actually was still actually drawing the the series every day. Because, you know, they gotten it down. He, he has assistants and all these other artists doing it. But then, you know, then after Garfield, you had a spin, you know, basically a ripoff of Garfield was Bill the Cat in Bloom County. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and bravo to um, the folks at uh, Bloom County for bringing back Hobbs the Lion recently. Because, you know, after COVID, they couldn't find Bill the Cat, and they thought they found him, and it actually was it was Hobbs from Calvin oh. and Hobbs. Oh. <laughs> and it was a great run of the series that they did for about, probably about 10 to 12 weeks. And oh, wow. Hobbs was trying to find Cal- his Cal- his friend Calvin, and because Calvin had been, you know, missing for dozens of years. Oh. And it was, it was so awesome. Do you know his last name? It was like, and Hobbs was like, no, I think it was Calvin Booger something. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was, it was just so well done and everything. So it was neat. And then they brought back Bill the Cat because he's been filling in for Snoopy for the last, yeah, in the few months. <laughs> You know, I, I I don't think Charles Schultz never had a named cat, but there was always the cat next door, which yeah. I don't think we it was ever just, saw. It was just a, a blurred claw that, <laughs> <laughs> that would attack Snoopy. Uh, it was bane of his existence. Oh, Frida had a cat, the boneless cat that just <laughs> draped over her arms That's... in a U shape. It had no bones whatsoever. It never did anything. It just hung there. Yeah, good call. I had forgotten about Frida and her boneless cat. <laughs> and then we have the the heir to all of that, the direct, almost a direct heir to to Peanuts. It was a, a strip that Charles Schultz personally loved and blessed, and that's Mutz. Mutz. Oh yeah, Earl and his sidekick Mooch, the lover of the little pink sock with the lisp, yes, and his friend. Uh, Jules, aka Stinky Puddin', little the little orange tabby that wants to save all the wildlife, and Noodles the feral, and Sourpuss the cat that hates Mondays and has a perpetual cloud over his head, and Schnelly who Mooch is in love with, and all you see she lives in an upstairs window, and all you see is the tips of her ears, and he climbs a tree to go declare his love to Schnelly, and 
she disdains him. Mooch does? Mooch does, yeah. Oh, Something Schnelly. as he loves as much as little pink socks? Yes, he loves oh, Schnelly. <laughs> she doesn't give him the time of day and he usually falls out of the tree. Wow. But, uh, yeah, those are those are great. I can't, what's the name of the art, the artist that does those? Patrick McDonald. Yeah, Patrick McDonald. Those are, those are nice strips. Um, and that's still going. Oh yeah. So that's a cat that you can see in your local paper right now or daily strips. Every right? day. It's not so, a I think get fuzzy is still around too, but I don't, mm-hmm. I haven't seen that in a while. I think he had cut that down to maybe weekends were new. Um, to be honest, um, from my standpoint, I stopped reading Get Fuzzy because it seemed like a retread of the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. Dog is dumb. Cat is a jerk. Um, there's just variations on that all the time. So I couldn't tell the difference between new and old. So. It was well drawn, though. Yeah, very well drawn. Well, really well drawn. And I think, didn't it take place in New England? I think so. Yeah. So I, I, I liked that strip for a while. Um but uh, I did want to make sure that we got to, because we were talking about, you know, the MGM lion that appears before every big MGM movie. But there's also a little cat that you can find in credits <laughs> on TV at the end, at the tail end. Although uh, you know, a lot of shows don't have credits anymore. But the ones that do, uh, there was the MTM. Mary Tyler Moore Productions. And... You probably know the cat if you're a certain age because MTM got folded into Fox and I guess they don't show that end credit anymore. But I went down a little rabbit hole today researching the MTM cat. Um, For those of you who don't remember watching Oh, Hill Street Blues, St. Elsewhere, Mary Tyler Moore, Bob Newhart in the 70s and 80s, at the end of the show... It would say MTM, and then there was like a, a circle, and this little orange kitten would appear in the circle and look up and go, meow. And it wasn't a real meow. It was dubbed, and the, it was not even a cat. It was a human. It was the late Lorenzo Music, who was the voice of Garfield in the, in the cartoons. Um, but the little kitten's name was Maisie, and she was born in 1968. She was a, a rescue cat from a shelter. And they filmed that little bit with her, and she was adopted by someone who worked for MTM. And she lived until 1988. And one thing I found that just horrified me, because I wasn't a regular watcher of St. Elsewhere. In 88, the series finale of St. Elsewhere showed Maisie lying on her side, and they flatlined her. Oh, I was oh. I'm like, this is so wrong on every oh. level. They flatlined oh. her, and a very short time after that, the real Maisie died. And I'm like, oh, I'm horrible. like, are you kidding me? That's just so. But, but yeah, if, if you watched uh, TV in the 70s and 80s as a kid, you remember little Maisie at the end of at the end of Mary Tyler Moore. Mary Tyler I remember, Moore wrote I remember on the end of the Newhart show, it used to have Bob Newhart doing it. Meow. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. that's right. It did. (laughs) So, um, any other cats that we haven't mentioned yet, Bambi? Any ones that uh, you have? Oh uh, man, I'm trying to think now. I'm like, I know why we were talking. I had all kinds of cats going through my head. You know, I'm just like, I thought thought that was normal for you, Bambi. You know, yeah, it is. It's constant. There's Morris, Uh, the nine lives cat. 
Oh yeah, Morris is great. Meow yeah. <laughs> He was. He's also. Um, I think they've had three cats play Morris, mm-hmm. and they've all been shelter cats. And I guess there's a rumor. It's. It's. I'm not sure it's confirmed, but I guess the orange cat in the Long Goodbye, the Altman film. Um, I guess that's the first Morris. Did I hear that Morris was a girl? The cat, like the the cat that betrayed Morris, was a girl. I think one of them was. Maybe. Hmm. I don't know. It seems like one of them was. The fr- at least the first one was so chunky and beefy. I, that couldn't have been a girl. Mm. That was a Tom. But yeah, I but, mean, Morris sold a lot of sold a, sold a lot of kibble. Yeah. And and and, and uh, well, I think Kibble and Bits is actually another uh, company. But um, um, but. Um, one, uh, recent, uh, social media star, um, probably one of the biggest social media stars of cat related would be grumpy cat. Oh God. Oh, yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, uh, and smudge. what's that smudge is the one that's at the table looking angry in front of the, <laughs> like, salad. Yes. Yeah. Oh, right. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one gets a lot of memes, right? Yes. Oh Yeah. But uh, Grumpy Cat was was a girl cat, right? Mm-hmm. Tartar, tartar sauce, tartar sauce. Yeah, her name is Tartar Sauce. And uh, and man, she went on tour. Like mm-hmm. she would show up at conventions. Which I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, they that poor cat. I know. Yeah. Like, what the heck? It's a dater, and that's just horrible. I think I think those of us who know cats know that cats are not really built for that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I would I worry that she was drugged. A lot to make her, you know, more relaxed during mm. those things, but because there are a lot of people who had their picture taken with her or whatever, and yeah. it's like, you know, I don't know. I mean, even the friendliest cats that we've had wouldn't like to get yeah. manhandled every five minutes. Yeah, but there oh. are except some cats that I guess like uh, what a street cat named Bob. That cat kind of was used to crowds. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with street cat named Bob, but. That, no, what's what's that? It's a God, it's heartbreaking. It's a movie based on a real cat. This this homeless guy who's had bad drug problem, and he ends up meeting a stray cat, and ends up taking care of the cat, and they bond. And he's a street musician, and the cat pretty much just sits on his shoulders and performs and collects tips and things like that. And mm. it's just you ever watch the movie? It's a really good movie. Heartbreaking. Just you know, sweet <laughs> about the the cat and you know the guy. That uh, you know, it's a it's a real. Th- it's based on reality. Gotcha. And I can't even imagine at the conventions I've been to letting one of my cats loose. Like it would, nah. uh, yeah, that would just freak me out. Yeah. Well, that's this cat, this Bob, this cat. It's just hangs out with the owner. It, it wasn't freaked out at all by these large crowds of people taking photos and. Sheeran, as long as he was with his owner, he didn't care. Hmm. There are um, a lot of instances where I think where uh, characters are annoyed at cats. Mm-hmm. I can I can't think of anything specific. I was trying to think of something specific because I was imagining some lady yelling at a cat and throwing something at it, but I don't. I can't remember what movie or thing I'm thinking of. So. But uh, cats are always in jump scares. <laughs> Pretty much old horror movies. Yeah, cat, that's yeah. true. Cats Classic like, jump scare was a cat. Yeah, yeah, there's always something moving in the closet, and you open the closet, and it's just a cat, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the cat comes leaping at you. 
like cats do. Yep. Yeah. How many times exactly. have we gone in the closet or gone into a room and the cat just leaps up at us? <laughs> it goes, yow! <laughs> well, you don't have to open a door for Tippy to do that. He just does that anyway. He just, he just walks right up to you and leaps on you. And like can opener, the cat will be yelling. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy way to get cats. Um, uh, all right. So we have to talk about, we have to, because we're going to get, you know, flayed if we don't mention... Cats the musical. Do we now, have to? <laughs> uh, now, I've seen Cats on uh, performed uh, in Boston on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, and, and, and it was a huge hit uh, based on a poem by E. Cummings. Um, it's got some decent musical numbers in it, mm-hmm. but uh, I did not care um, for it. T.S. Eliot. Oh, sorry. T.S. Eliot. Yeah, sorry. I Thank, you. I like, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, whew, I don't know. Okay, that was a weird that was a weird mix up, but uh, initials. I'll go with that. Um, but uh, but have it. So I did not care for it. Um, and I know Michelle, you don't care for the musical either, right? No. <laughs> have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. So where did you see it? At the Fox. Okay, so you saw it in Atlanta. Uh, mm. uh, Bambi, have you seen the musical? Yes, and I actually kind of have a little story about it. A Uh-oh. friend of mine was that actual, he was uh, the promotions for uh, the Fox Theater. And uh, he dared, he said he would give me tickets if he dared me to dress up like a cat and come to it. So I totally did. <laughs> <laughs> now that that, that I would have paid to have seen. Yeah, there was actually, when I was at, at the front waiting to uh, pick up the tickets, people thought I was a part of the show, and they formed a line <laughs> to take photos with me. It was so funny. Ricky was so amused by that, <laughs> so incredibly amused by it. And I know during the intermission, I went to the bathroom, went to wash my hands, and people were like, you are so wonderful up there. I'm like, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it because it was dancing cats, but the story itself, eh, but it's dancing cats, yeah, especially the magical Mr. Mistopheles, because, you know. It's a nice, it's a great cat. name for a cat. Yes, it is. He's all about glitter and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, and Mike, you must have seen the musical. Oh, yeah. I actually saw it on Broadway. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Yep. That was, that was many years ago. It was pretty oh. awesome. But yes. Um, my uncle took us to go see it. It was pretty awesome. It, uh, it, it it sparked the the thing. I think it was on SNL where they were doing a, a takeoff on musicals or something, and they had some guy in the street that just said, "I loved it. It was better than Cats," better and that like has Cats. been seared into my brain, yeah. like as a as a like a test of what is cool or not. Like if it's cool, it's like I loved it. It was better than Cats. <laughs> But uh, but we're okay, not going to talk about the movie at all, please. No, no, no. I haven't seen no. it yet. I still no. actually want to see it. Well, once you do, you can let us know how it is because I'm not dipping my toe into that water. We'll take I up, actually we'll take up a collection for your therapy. Well, a friend of a friend of mine said he was actually dared to watch it, and when he did watch it, he said he was surprised it wasn't anywhere near as bad as he thought it was going to be. He actually said. When you get about a third of the way through it, you start to kind of enjoy it. <laughs> mm. So, gotcha. Well, I guess I guess it wears on you. 
Yeah. It's sort of like, uh, what do they call that when you fall for your kidnappers? Stockholm yeah. Syndrome. Stockholm <laughs> Syndrome. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, uh, well, cool. We have named a lot of cats. We have herded together a lot of cats uh, in this short amount of time. Um, and I'm sure there's a bunch that we missed. Oh, yeah. So, uh, listeners the... out there, uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to throw in one more last honorable mention. It's been okay. ev- the meme that ev- has been everywhere is that one young lady arguing with that damn white cat sitting at the table. That's Smudge. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. Smudge. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, so you can make a meme about us uh, talking about cats. If um, no, for those people out there, if we, if you think that we missed a bunch. Uh, let us know, and we'll do a follow-up to this at some point. But we're also planning on doing, later this year, we're planning on uh, spotlighting dogs of pop culture, and then maybe more ocelots. Uh, who knows? Because <laughs> uh, there's just so many of those, right? Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, awesome. Thanks, you guys, uh, for talking all about cats. And um, we'll be right meow, back meow, as we get meow, creative. Hey everybody, Michelle here with an iconic rock talk show moment and bidding a fond farewell to WKRP in Cincinnati's Dr. Johnny Fever, Howard Hessman, who passed away this past weekend at age 81. We're all in critical condition, babies, but sit down, open your ears real wide and say, give it to me straight, doctor, I can take it. Let's all honor Johnny this week sometime by going out in our yards, our balconies, our window, looking out our windows. Just go right now and yell at the top of our lungs, Bulgar! In other news, Mick Fleetwood is set to produce a musical drama on Fox called 13 Songs. It's about a once-relevant musician named Jasper Jones who has been diagnosed with terminal cancer and reunites with his old band called The Grift to write and record 13 songs for one last album. The situation sounds a lot like what happened in real life with Warren Zevon and his last album, The Wind. Uh, it will be directed by Jonathan Levine, who directed uh, Nine Perfect Strangers on Hulu. Uh, it's written by Will Reiser from 5050 and uh, Jonathan Prince, who created American Soul. The 2022 Grammy Awards have been relocated and rescheduled. They'll be held at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas on April 3rd. Uh, the first time since 1973 that they've been held outside of L.A. or New York. And David Bowie just has not gone anywhere. He is still very much with us. Uh, his entire music catalog is now available for Peloton users. And in conjunction with the launch, three brand new mixes of Bowie songs have been premiered exclusively for Peloton. Uh, St. Vincent uh, remixed It's No Game Part 1. Honey Dijon uh, remixed Let's Dance, and Golden Years was redone by Tokamonsta. So, how are your New Year's resolutions going? Get that Peloton bike and listen to some Bowie. This has been the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment. We'll catch you next time. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Do we have too much comic book stuff? Apparently not, because everything that gets released is successful, more successful than the last thing. So perhaps these people are just griping because they haven't had the opportunity to ride the Marvel train. 
That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and right here on the ESO Network. Welcome back. Now it's time for the Creative Outlet segment. And we have Kevin from Ink Studios returning to the show. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Doing well, sir. Doing well. How about you guys? Kevin, it's awesome to see you here. And especially with the way the world is right now, it's nice to see a familiar face sometimes. That that is that is so true. It's uh, we would we would have thought it would have let up by now, but it uh, doesn't seem to be breaking loose just yet. No, not at all. But you got some great news going on. You've been getting us some great people from Inked, and we've been you know talking about your different kickstarters you have been helping promote, and you've actually helped Mister Gordon here. Yes, you did. That was that was a fun campaign. I'm looking I'm looking forward to the next one. I've got. Uh, and um, there's some things that uh, that we have, uh, you know, that we can get together with on the next one. That I think would be really cool, and um, something exciting and new into the tiki, into the world of tiki. So, um, <laughs> one uh, one aspect that um, we're doing is we just got through with our 54th campaign, and uh, the 55th will round out here in the next 48 hours. And um, we're pushing towards. We've got another. 16, 17 in the can right now that we're producing. So that will mean we're about to hit the 75th Kickstarter should be probably middle of March. Wow. So that's, that that's is impressive. That's thank you. That's a, what's a really exciting milestone and the team's been working hard and um, I, I can't say enough about what a great, uh, you know, bunch of guys and gals are all just helping make this help them make roll this stone down the road, as they say. Oh yeah, um, definitely. It, it, it's a definitely been a team effort and um, some new people have come on. We've got a couple more videographers now that have come on and um, they're just doing just leaps and bounds. But I, I, a couple of things I want to mention, uh, as you mentioned, yes, we are now Ink Studios. We've moved from Ink Marketing and as, as of uh, the end of 2021 into the beginning of 2022 have become Ink Studios LLC so we can offer more services for everybody. That's awesome. fantastic. That's very cool. And, you know, it's it seemed like it was a perfect evolution for you to move that way, too. It All signs were kind of heading that way. It's a little ahead of schedule, which we don't really mind. Um, we just had things kind of planned out. We took really took all of December. The whole team took off. And we basically just retooled and looked at everything that creators asked for throughout 2021 and brought as much to the table back for 2022 as we could. Um, one of those things is we expanded our, our – videography section where we could do more animations um the other thing was uh, we brought in a section called creator services so now if you need inkers letterers pencilers all that good stuff uh, we can now bring that to the table uh, that was a that was something that was requested throughout the year and and a couple more things that were requested one was every other phone call i got asked do you know a good do you know a good printer uh, do you know anybody with paper um everybody was having fulfillment problems and, and printing problems and and, and that's just you know, was what was going on still kind of is to some degree. So we were able to get together and form a group called fission press. So now we can print and fulfill along with, so we can help take care of, we can be the marketing on for your Kickstarter. Then we can bring it to press and print it. And then we can fulfill it. And we said, okay, what is the other thing in here that we're missing? Something else needs to get in here. And the natural fit was a label, a publishing label. And it's really about two years ahead of schedule, but we're going to go ahead and do it anyway because there was a call for it. And we kind of tested it with a few people and they love the idea. And we've got uh, uh, about five or six titles that have come come up and said they want to be a part of this. And it's going to be called Voodoo Comics. So 
Um, as you guys know, I'm from uh, I'm from Louisiana and around not too far from the New Orleans area. Mm-hmm. Uh, got, got a lot of history there. Got married there. Um, and we, we frequent the area often. So I kind of figured I better do something voodoo or I was going to lose my Cajun card. So it, <laughs> it was it was it was time to bring that to the table. So that's that's the new offering is uh, we're proud to announce with you guys that Voodoo Comics is here so we can take completely turnkey now. Um, market your product, bring it to Kickstarter. After the Kickstarter, print it, uh, fulfill it, and actually, if you need a label, we can take care of that too now. So, a lot of that, a lot of good stuff. That is awesome, and you know, DC and Marvel, watch your butts. Here comes Voodoo. You know, <laughs> well, we'll be we'll be somewhere somewhere down that list. Uh, not quite sure <laughs> what, but we'll uh, we will definitely give it our best shot. Yeah, I know it's still. Awesome. A- I know it's still in its infancy, but do you have any sort of goal with the with the actual with Voodoo Comics? Well, my my whole goal with it was to, I would like for Voodoo to be able to bring twelve IPs, twelve titles to the table for twenty twenty two. I figured an even dozen was just kind of a good number I put together, but I I, I kind of watch numbers because when we did twenty twenty one, I said okay guys, I would feel good about twenty five campaigns being taken care of. Uh, and around as a inked family whole, um, about 250,000 would be nice to be able to gather that up for all the different people within the, the inked family. And, um, we ended up with over 50 campaigns and just shy of a uh, half a million. So, um, that's not a bad, not, that's not a bad thing to do. So if I say 12 and we end up with 24, it's not going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> well, I can, I can speak from personal experience. If you, if you put your, um, your book in Kevin's hands, it's, it's in great, you get great results. Well, I, I, I truly appreciate that. And, and I would, I will pass that on to the team as well. That was, that was a really fun campaign, man. That was, that was one that pretty much, pretty much wrote itself. It was just, uh, <laughs> no, no, uh, I know. wrote it. No, just kidding. <laughs> There you go. Let's get that straight right now. Uh, no, it was, yeah. Uh, Mike did an awesome job with that book and it's, it's so much fun. And it actually is, um, other people have, have mentioned it and, and talked about it and waiting on the next one. So, uh, I can't wait to get my hands on it and actually put it up in the, uh, we've started the inked family wall. So as the books have been coming in, uh, part of the studio now is covered with all the different offerings and it's become quite the wall. So it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, there's a lot of proud that comes with being able to be a part of that for people and, um, and continue that effort. That's awesome, dude. That is really awesome. So how can people find Ink Studios, my friend? If you go to, oh, if you go over to uh, inkedpub.com, again, that's inked, P-U-B is in short for publication, inkedpub.com, that will give you the best way to go ahead and see the current Kickstarters, some of the future Kickstarters coming. Uh, you can actually jump over to and see some of the past Kickstarters in there. You can see, uh, you can see Mike's Kickstarter on there. Um, for and it's um, and also too you can see it leads you right over to, to Inked. So again, current offerings that are there, some upcoming stuff, some of the past, and then again a link over to Ink Studios is there as well. So that's the best easiest way to tell everybody inkedpub.com. That sounds awesome. And you know, we'll of course have a link to it as always up in our show notes. We truly appreciate that. Not a problem, my friend. Let's take a quick break and we will be back in a moment and we are gonna close up the show. Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about Westworld Season 1. So, I'm a little slow to the Westworld bandwagon. I just finished Season 1, and it was really interesting and a really crazy wild ride. This show is so clever and keeps the viewer really intrigued, even with all the different storylines that are going on. 
The characters are relatable while also being terrifying. And you really feel for the hosts, even though they're not technically living. You want to see them actually like break free of this crazy cycle that they're in. Anthony Hopkins in this show is amazing, as he is in pretty much everything he is in. And they did a great job of not necessarily letting the viewer know that the show is taking place during different timelines, which just screams how amazing the writing is. I would highly recommend this show to anyone who has not seen it yet. And I cannot wait to start watching season two, because if it's anything like season one with the writing, then it is going to be amazing. And I just can't wait to see what they're going to do next. Especially with how we saw Samurais at the end of the show. So I'm really curious what we're going to get in season two. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Let's thank our guests. Michelle, thank you as always for the music segment and talking about cats. Thank you. I love to talk about cats. Awesome. Anytime. Anytime. See, you know, Mike said when he brought up the idea of cats to talk about, he said, you know, Michelle's going to be in here. You know, she's going to want to talk about cats. <laughs> so. It was pretty awesome. We literally came up with the idea when Bambi and, and Michelle were talking about cats on the last music episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Off the air. Yeah, of course. Because <laughs> be ki- it would be kind of weird if they didn't. But it's awesome. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about? Well, the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominating committee has met. Bum, bum, bum. They met on January 21st in New York. And from what I hear, a ballot is imminent. So, Hall of Fame season is about to gear up, boys and and girls. So, the Monkees and Weird Al are both going to be on the the thing this year, right? Along with Eminem and Duran Duran, yes. (laughs) I could see it. So, because, you know, of course, you know, there's others who, you know, said, oh, I'll never be on there, so... It'll be awesome. Well, thank you, thank you. I'm looking forward to seeing it. And we'll probably be talking all about that in a couple weeks. Yeah, I think so. Awesome. And Bambi, it's weird. It's awesome to have you here, even without Ricky. It's nice to have you here. Well, thank you. (laughs) Anything you want to shout out about? Hero Cats, the wonderful Hero Cats comic book. (laughs) A friend of ours does comic book with cats in it. And so I definitely want to throw that out there. If you like cats and you like uh, superheroes, there's a comic book for you. And awesome. I guess my band does a song, Space Cat. Actually, several of my bands does a song called Space Cat. That's true. Yay, Space Cat. Go. Have you guys ever I'm wearing, done... I'm wearing my Space Cat shirt. Have you guys ever... Oh, yeah, nice. Have you guys ever done Stinky Cat? Hmm? We haven't. Are you Smelly Cat? Smelly, smelly Cat. cat. Yes. Smelly cat. We get, we get uh, requests for that. <laughs> um, I feel like I should learn it. I've done the Meow Mix theme song a couple times, which is actually a lot harder <laughs> than you think on guitar because it's like trying to do dun 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 and power chords like really fast. It's so metal, but wow, that, that's exhausting. <laughs> that yeah. is awesome, though. But it's always great to talk to you. Well, thank you. And Mr. Yeah. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. 
We did, and as always, it's my pleasure. You even survived Bruce Valanche in the geek seat. <laughs> we did. That was awesome. That well, was awesome. Yes, it was. He was one cool cat. Yes, he was. <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. Since we're talking about cats, um, I've mentioned before um, when we were taking care of our little kittens uh, that there were some organizations that helped us out, including our local vet uh, at Beaver Crossing, which uh, we really appreciate. But one person that... Uh, um, uh, I want to give a shout out now to is uh, she goes by the name Kitten Lady. Her name's Hannah Shaw, and uh, she's a professional kitten rescuer. Uh, she's an animal advocate, and uh, she does a lot for newborn kittens herself, as well as her organization, as well as as a lot of videos out there that are helpful to if you have like questions about taking care of newborn cats or kittens um and we used that as we used her as a resource very much and uh we just really appreciate it and uh uh just want to give her a shout out because she does some really good work and uh there aren't too many people i mean in this day and age you know with the, the whole tiger king stuff there's a lot of people that are out there that have bad names about taking care of animals or and you know there's not enough animal advocates out there i mean we just lost betty white uh, who was probably one of the most renowned animal advocates out there. Um, so, you know, cheers to those people who still are, are keeping those causes going. That is awesome, sir. That is really, really awesome. There's so many agencies out there to help, you know, for, with pet rescues, cats, dogs, even larger animals. It's yeah. always, always in need, and these organizations are always tight on money, tight on supplies, and you know what, folks? You don't even have to donate money. You could donate used blankets or you know towels. towels. Exactly, they need that kind of stuff, and it's amazing. You know how grateful they are for that kind of stuff. It's pretty darn awesome, and yeah. I definitely think you know. Check in the phone book. Check online. I know who uses a phone book anymore. You know? <laughs> check online. Check the, online. Uh, I will say real quick that. Um, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, it was Betty White's birthday, and they a lot of the uh, rescue places, you know, and advocates uh, got together to have a drive to donate a lot of to your local um, uh, animal shelters or, you know, Planned Pethood type care uh, type organizations, nonprofits. And I hope that becomes an annual tradition. That would be awesome. It really, really would be good. So, yeah, I hope some people, you know, Make it Betty White Day. Make it, you know, an annual thing, like you said. I think that could actually be really cool. I think, you know, it would be fun to, you know, maybe even, you know, if you know of any, you know, geeky stuff you could do for shelters and everything, take some pictures. We'll put it up on our website and stuff like that. I think it would be kind of neat. Her Kids does stuff like that. You can donate. It's a thrift store that all the proceeds to go to no-kill shelters. Mm. Yes. That's the best one of the some of the best stuff. It's pretty yeah. cool. So that is going to wrap up the episode for tonight. It's pretty darn awesome what we did. It was a, a ton of fun. It was great to talk to everyone. If you we'd love to hear from you guys, feedback at earthstation1.com. Let us know what you guys thought. What what are your favorite cats? And speaking of cats, I did look up the uh actor who plays cat on uh Red Dwarf, Danny oh, yeah. jo- John Jules. <laughs> you knew we were going to get uh, messages about that. Oh, yeah, it's a hey, dumbasses, you know. 
Especially since we devoted so many uh, episodes to Red Dwarf. Oh, very much so. And it's like, it was on, I knew it was Danny Jules, but, you know, it was like Danny John Jules. I've got to have to put the hyphen in. So, That's a cool name. Very awesome. So, as always, thanks for listening to the Air Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Air Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now, of course. I won't stay Stitcher anymore because they're in a lot of hot water right now. So, <laughs> but find us on Spotify. You can find us on Pandora, Apple, or Google, or one of the Audible, other. Right? Oh, Audibles, we're up there, and Amazon. So you could even go, hey, Alexa, play the Air Station One podcast. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mike Gordon, and, of course, Michelle Borg and Bambi Lynn, thank you for again for listening. We will see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and just have a great time, folks. Peace. We're done. Yay. Meow. 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 <laughs> You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.